Good morning, everybody. Uh, this is so good. There's so many ways for you to connect, so I hope you're not just checking out when they're giving you opportunities, but actually leaning in and saying, God, is this something that you have for me? Uh, well, we are in a study in a letter that's in the Bible written to a church uh, called Corinth, and we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 1, so if you have a Bible, why don't you turn there, and uh, we'll do that in a minute. But I do want to just extend connections, because sometimes you plan things, and then other times things slip in that were unplanned but good. When we were just singing uh, one of those songs this morning, I just had this impression, this is how it works with me. When I think that God is saying something that could be good for someone else, I just sit on it and we're singing the song and I can't shake it and I keep thinking about it. And I'm like, Lord, is this you? Uh, and, and when I get to the end of that and realize, man, even more strongly, um, I feel impressed to share something. That's what I know. I think the Holy Spirit is working in our midst for our good. So I'll just throw this one thing out there to you. We end uh, after the message. We have open times of prayer. I would encourage you this morning uh, to come and receive prayer, especially, not only if, but especially if you have pain in your sciatic nerve and it was literally flaring up this morning and it was troubling you, I would just encourage you, like, look, I don't, I don't know anyone here with that issue. I'm not thinking of someone, but I think God in his goodness sometimes drops little reminders of what he wants to do. And so if that's you, I would simply encourage you to say, wow, God loves me and he's, he's concerned about me and I think he wants to bring healing and wholeness to that. And so I would just invite you, if that's you, in the end, we open up the left and the right and our prayer team is there, come and receive prayer. We say, well, Jose, I woke up with something different. Did you get any more download? Um, no, but God is bigger and broader than one thing, right? So I think when, when those things come up, we can, we can safely say God is thinking about doing what he wants to do for our good. So if there is something troubling you that's not sciatic nerve, I would encourage you uh, to receive prayer as well. If there's something completely different uh, that has nothing to do with any nerves or anything else, uh, receive prayer as well. You get the hint, right? I think we just need to respond to what God is doing. All right, let's pray, and we're going to get uh, right into it. Lord, we thank you this morning that you're at work, you're alive, you're, you're always speaking. The earth is yours, everything in it. The rocks cry out. The trees, they show your goodness. The sky, it's just a display of how wonderful you are. Lord, we see your fingerprints everywhere, and God, especially if you open up the Bible, we know that you're really speaking loudly, clearly. So we simply want to hear from you this morning, Lord. What would you have to say to us about life in the now and how to live and follow you, Jesus? So God, guide us, we pray. Holy Spirit, illumine our minds to see what we did not see. And, and God, we commit before we hear anything. If you stir us towards action, we're here and we actually want to follow. So we pray that you would empower us to do that even on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and following. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, uh, amen. So I, I wanna start off with a very, very leading question. Uh, where do you get your news? Where, where do you get your information? All of us, were like, we're an information overload on our devices, and some of you are old school, you still get the paper delivered. I have some neighbors where I see it in the morning, they have a physical thing, like trees wrapped around and print, and it's out there in the front. And, but where do, you get, where do you get your news? What's your trusted source? Is it, I mean, is it Fox? Is it, uh, is it CNN? Is it BBC? Is it 
Newsmax? Is it uh, X, formerly known as Twitter? You can't say X without saying formerly known as Twitter. Great marketing there. Um, or, or, or is it, is it, I think the growing trend is TikTok, which was totally designed for short videos. But I can't tell you how many people say, oh yeah, where'd you get that? Oh, I was, well, I was kind of watching TikTok. Oh, really, that's our trusted news sources. Here's the point. We are all over the map in an information age and overload. We've never had access to this much knowledge around the world in real time. And yet, all this information has brought nothing but internal angst, because now you see headlines in real time. And it has brought a disunity and division. You could look at the same event and look at all those sources and get totally different perspectives. Uh, and so, by the way, some of you are saying, TikTok is not the most reputable news source. Well, I'll, I'll leave it to you to decide. <laughs> Here's what I want to get at. With all this information flowing, how do we discern what's helpful and not? Who should we trust? Where should we follow? What should we be saying? I'm not so sure. And what would be a high priority of things that we ought to, as Jesus' people, agree on? Uh, we're going to get into the heart of the letter and the reason why Paul wrote. We've done three weeks of intro just to set the foundation, but now we're going to get into the heart of what he's trying to tell us. So we'll start by reading 1 Corinthians 1, and I'm going to start in verse 10. So I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household, they've informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God I didn't baptize any of you. Well, except Crispus and Gaius. So no one can say that you were baptized in my name. Oh, yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I, I don't remember if I baptized <laughs> anyone else. You ever just feel that way? Like halfway through, like, oh, yeah, I don't know what I'm talking about. For Christ didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. So I appeal to you. Okay, we're getting to the heart of the matter. We're living in an information age where the more info we have, the less we agree. The more statistics we have, the less we agree. The more we're aware, the less we agree. And what we're going to see this morning is this is not a modern problem. It's not an information problem. It's an ancient problem. It's a human problem. And we're going to be exposed for who we are as humans. But the good news is, as opposed to BBC or CNN or wherever you get your news, what we're reading isn't news simply given by humans. Human authors, yes, but a divine source. God has given us some bedrock things that we can count on that will actually help us as we live in the information age. How do we discern pathways to stay united? Okay, uh, what is this letter about? If you're new to the Bible, and you're reading, like, I don't get it. You're not alone. 
we're reading and like peeking into an ancient letter. So he gives the intro, and then the first half of the letter, chapters one through six, he is gonna give observations of things he's heard about them. Remember, they've already written him a letter. This group of people following Jesus in Corinth wrote him a letter, and he's gonna respond. But before he gets to their response, which is chapter seven to the end, in the first half, he's gonna say, hey, there's some things I've heard about you and your community, and I wanna address those first, and then I'll get to your questions later. What are the things, four things in the first six chapters? Just write it down if it's helpful, it's a framework. There were divisions, that's verses, chapters one through 10, verses uh, to chapter four, verse 21. There's a whole chapter on incest. I'll let, we'll get to that some other time. Lawsuits, people suing one another in church. And then like sexual immorality and all sorts of behavior that was contrary to the way of Jesus and the way that they were living out their life. Okay, that's, he addresses this first and then he's gonna get to their questions in chapter seven. If you look at the framework, you realize most of the time is spent on division. As a matter of fact, it's the first thing he brings up, and we need to think about it. So I want to go really slowly. Some have said that chapter 1, verse 10, is the center of the first half. It's the problem that leads to other problems. And so I want us to walk through it, like literally word by word, slowly, so that we can get a better sense of how to deal with the factions and followers and all sorts of madness and division in our world today. Let's just read verse 10 again. So, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters. Okay, I appeal. It's not a command, and this is helpful. The first thing he does not say off the bat, God told me to tell you, you better. He's no, it's an appeal as a fellow brother in the Lord, which means when we're addressing things that we disagree on, we need to come with a level of Humility, even though Paul's in the right and he's speaking on the behalf of God, he, he says to them, I'm not commanding you, like, do this, don't do that. Rather, I just, I want to see us in a better state. So this is my humble appeal. Brothers and sisters, notice family language. This is huge, especially for those of us who want to follow Jesus or want to follow him more closely. Whenever we're dealing with things that we might disagree with one another, the primary thing we need to remember, hear this, Hear this, hear this. The primary thing we need to remember is we're related. We're really related because of Jesus. Now, I have a different human father and mother. You have a different human father and mother. We live in different places. We come from different ethnic backgrounds. And we eat different kinds of foods and we watch different kinds of shows. Yeah, 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 yeah. But in the end, we were recreated in the image of God to be brothers and sisters, even with the Lord Jesus Christ. We have been brought into a family where God is our Father collectively. So, so we're gonna have disagreements, sure. Appeal, I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging you, church, your family, that all of you agree with one another in what you say. You can translate it this way, that you would say the same thing. Yeah, you're gonna have disagreements about things that matter. You have opinions about things that matter. But in the end, I'm, I'm appealing, I'm, I'm calling on you. Hey, you're family, so let's say the same thing. Let's speak the same thing. Why? That there be, be no divisions among you. The word here is schismata, which you would get the word in English, schisms. Fractions, this is a word that was used for political parties. Red and blue, elephant and donkey, schismata. Different 
ways of seeing um, politics and policy, right? That was the word of the day. And he's like, in God's household, where we're brothers and sisters, my appeal to you is that you don't live in your party, that you don't create within the church parties where I'm about this and I'm about that. Again, it's okay to have opinion, but he says it in a positive way and in a negative way. No divisions, that's positive. Don't have schisms, that's negative. But that you'll be perfectly united in mind and thought. The, the phrase perfectly united uh, is also seen in the Gospel of Mark and it's with the disciples mending their nets. My appeal, my call to you is because you are really related because of Jesus Christ is that there, there wouldn't be schisms, there wouldn't be factions and parties, but rather you would live perfectly united that the nets that have been broken because our world that we're living in is very divided and divisive, that you and I would be the people who would mend the nets, mend the nets of relationships. Yeah, we differ, but we're not gonna let the fish fall out of the net. We're gonna keep the main thing, the main thing, unity, oneness, wholeness. And before he gets to the, to the real heart of the matter, what, is, what does he do? Verse, verse 11, because remember, chapter seven, he's answering their questions but it's gonna take him half the letter to get to that because when we're disunited, he can't really address them as one group because as we're gonna see, they're all saying, I follow, I follow, I follow. So how did he get this info? Verse 11, my brothers and sisters, some of you from Chloe's household have informed me there are quarrels among you. What I mean is one says I follow Paul, another Paulus, another Cephas, another Christ. Who's Chloe? Chloe's probably a wealthy, uh, a wealthy business person who has business interests in Corinth, a major Roman city, and in Ephesus. Paul is in Ephesus, and so for whatever reason, Chloe's servants are going back and forth, and because they stay over the weekend, uh, before they go back to Ephesus, they go and they hang out in the church, Corinth, and remember, it's meeting mostly in homes, and they pick up on what's going on, and then they make it back to Ephesus, and Paul loves this group of people, and he asks the people who've been there what's going on, and this is what he hears. As, as, as Paul gets an update from this church, uh, he, he thinks about what's going on in their world, which is going on in ours. By the way, we're just living in a social media frenzy. I mean, let's just think about life today. They had their groups, I follow Paul, Apollos, and Cephas, and Christ. Sure, but you think about today and, and the trend that we have. It could be a YouTuber we love. It could be some influencer on TikTok. It could be uh, someone we value who's entertaining, who's funny. Uh, the, the, the thing that we're doing more than anything else is forwarding and sending on links to things that we enjoy. And there's nothing wrong with that, but in a sense, we're doing exactly what they did. We wanna be wowed, we wanna be entertained. Now, in their day, they didn't have social media yet, but they did have a group of people that traveled around and they were called sophists. And sophists were the social media influencers of their day, but they were highly intellectual, and because Corinth was an influential city, people came to this mega city, and the crowds wanted to be wowed. They wanted pre-Netflix entertainment, and so what did you do? The, these public communicators, these great orators would come and they would have debates, they would have dialogue about all sorts of things. But in the end, it was less about the topic, it was less about the content 
It was less about the substance and it was more about the entertainment. And so they would draw huge crowds where some would say the whole city came to hear this philosopher speak. And just like in their day, again, pre-iPhone, no videos, no music, they, they would get disciples, followers, literally. And then those followers would argue with other followers of other sophists and philosophers and speakers and exactly what we have today, I follow, I follow, I follow, and we're no different. I mean, just think today's Sunday, and there's a few, there's a thing called the NFL. I don't know if you've heard about it yet. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. But it, uh, you, you'll watch any, whether, whatever your sport is, you'll get one group of people wearing one color jersey, NFL, your baseball, whatever it is, and then you get another group of people wearing their color jersey, and have you ever seen them pan the crowd, and they're chanting, and they're yelling, and they're screaming at them, and now mind you, none of them are actually playing the game. They're paying too much money to sit there and watch. Why? Because it's, it's, yes, it is about the athletics, but it's also about the entertainment. As a matter of fact, you watch the NFL, if you actually go live, you see everything stops. Why? Because there's commercial timeouts! And rather than keeping the game going, they literally stop the game so that they could fund the thing through advertisement because it's all about connection. And so advertisers will pick up on that and link themselves to things that people enjoy or entertaining because life is still divisive. It's about followers. It's about division. It's about factions. And so we're no different. The culture in, Cor in Corinth was prone to division. So what we're going to see here is some said, let's just look back at the text, I follow Paul. Another says, I follow Apollos. And who's Apollos? If you read Acts 18, you realize that Paul planted the church with some others, and then Paul moved on to plant another church, and Apollos came in. And what we know about Apollos from Acts 18 is that he was a much better communicator than Paul was. So in the church, early on, we're talking about 30 years or so after the life of Jesus, you have people who, who say, I follow Jesus, but actually I, I listen to what Paul has to say. But then Paul left. And so other people, as the good news started to spread, they heard the good news through Apollos. And so Paul's writing these letters back and forth, but yeah, 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 I'm not so sure. I never met him, but what, what Apollos has to say, that's, that's what I really follow. And then said, some said, I follow Cephas. Remember, Cephas is the other name for Peter. Now, we don't know. Did Peter actually go to Corinth? We don't know. Uh, but Peter was known as one of the closest Jesus followers. And we know that Peter really had an appeal to those with a Jewish background. So it could be that some who had no like Bible background, no Jewish background, didn't understand the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the prophets leading up to the Messiah, Jesus. Some of those connected with Paul, some of those connected with Apollos, but others were like, no, I, I come from a Jewish tradition, and so I follow Peter because he was one of Jesus, the Jewish Messiah's closest teachers, and so I, I'm going to listen to him, and I, I love it. It's like Indy Portland. I follow Christ. I love it. There were some people who said, like, yeah, I don't follow any of these people. They're all jokers. I, I actually, I, I have a direct link. I, I follow Jesus, and you see it in the church today. And just think of the groups that we come from. And there's nothing wrong with having an associated group of common beliefs and common practices as long as it points to Jesus. And some of you come from a particular group, whether it's a tradition that's Baptist or Methodist or Presbyterian or Pentecostal or Bible Church or whatever it is, Calvary Chapel. There's all sorts of 
groupings, but unfortunately, the more we link with the grouping, the more prone we could be to pushing other Jesus brothers and sisters away, and that's where we need to be careful. So, uh, okay, so what does Paul like do with these divisions? I, I love it. Uh, he uses an ancient technique. Uh, you still see it today if you, if you do any kind of Greek training uh, or any classical logical training. There's something called rhetoric. And so rhetoric is a way that you argue. And so part of your way of arguing is to help the other idea sound slightly ridiculous so that your idea will sound more logical. And so that's exactly what Paul does. He just takes the technique of the day, what people, what the sophists who came in, what they commonly did. And so he asked three questions that are meant to sound ridiculous. Look at the first question. Is Christ divided? Uh, uh, literally, has Christ been divided up and given out? Like, okay, so, so, so Paul's a hard worker. So did, did Paul and his group get Christ's feet? And, and Apollos is a better speaker. Did, did, did Apollos get Christ's mouth? Uh, and then Peter is, is, is action-oriented. Did he get Christ's hands? Obviously, it's, it's, it's meant to be ridiculous. Christ, you can't divide him up. And so whenever our opinion is actually the Jesus opinion, as opposed to your opinion, whenever I begin to see myself as closer to the truth than you are, I just, I just need to be careful. The second one is even more ridiculous, was was Paul crucified for you? And it gets to the heart of the matter. Hey, uh, church, some of you are saying, you follow me. Well, I, 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 didn't, I didn't die to rescue you. I didn't give my life as a ransom to bring you back to life with God. So, so you can't divide Jesus up and say, like, they get a piece of Jesus, and they get a piece of Jesus, and they get a piece of Jesus. That makes no sense. Jesus is united, and he's risen, and he's alive. And I didn't, I didn't die and rise again. Um, by the way, this is not like just random, because when they get in their homes, they, they often gathered around a meal. I mean, we get donuts and coffee. We're a little cheaper than the early church, I guess. But uh, in the early days, you'd come over to someone's house, and there would be a common meal. Now, whether the host provided it or everyone brought a little, you know, potluck thing, we, we don't know, but we know that the gathering of worship to Jesus was around food. We know right before Jesus went to the cross, he had the last supper, the meal together. And, and by the way, when they got together in the homes, what would they do? They would take time to break the bread and drink the cup and remember Jesus. It was a reminder of Jesus' death and Jesus' burial and Jesus' very real resurrection. And the uniting thing that we have is Christ is one and united. You don't have a piece and you don't have a piece. That's ridiculous. And only one, and we gotta remember this in, this, in this day where everyone believes that their path, if it makes sense to them, is obviously the right path. Paul gets to the heart of it. There's only one who gave his life to rescue us all. And, and while we all may have our own thoughts and attempts of how we're gonna reconnect to life with God, Paul brings them back to the truth. The good news is not that you can find your way to God. The good news is that God already provided a way to find you where you are at and to bring you back to life with him. And it's in the sending of his son. I mean, it's not just metaphor, it's real. Jesus left heaven and glory and was born 
a baby, a real child, and lived a very real life, and experienced real humanness like you and I. He went through great lengths. So he's, he's puffing up all that Jesus has done because it makes no sense. Paul didn't do that. As a matter of fact, Paul and everyone in the church of Corinth knows this story. He's the one who's killing Christians. There's only one that we need to rally behind. And then, and then obviously, the, the third question, again, is ridiculous. Were you baptized into the name of Paul? And this is, this is the one that should hit home because in the early days and for the last 2,000 years, the, the primary way that we recognize someone has begun their following of Jesus, yes, it is internal. It's when I recognize that I have sinned and I've fallen short of the glorious God who made all things. And when I turn to him, Jesus, you are my only hope. You're the only one who died and rose again to rescue me. I put my trust in you. The, the, the first thing that believers did was they got in the water. Remember, Jesus was baptized in the water and he went down and he went up again. And so they quickly said, we want the world to know, we want the church to know, we want our family to know that that old life that I had is now gone, and now I'm living a new life. It's an external symbol of an internal reality. And so baptism has always been a cornerstone of the church. By the way, side note, uh, November 19th, we're going to celebrate baptism in our gathering. And I would encourage you, if you started following Jesus and you've not been baptized in water, when's the right time to get baptized in water? Now. Because that's what Jesus' people did. And by the way, he's using rhetoric to make it sound ridiculous. Can you cut up Jesus into pieces and hand them out? Like does Apollos have it and Paul have it? And see, no, no, that, no. Christ is united. He's the only one who died and rose again to make us right with him. And by the way, they were baptizing him, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. There was no human leader and you were not baptized in the church of Paul. You were not baptized in the church of Corinth. You were not baptized in the Methodist church, the Baptist church, the Presbyterian church, the Catholic church, the Anglican church, the whatever church. No, we're united in Christ. And we celebrate that we belong to him. And so, again, he's, he's, he's using kind of like makes no sense language to help them come to their senses. And I would love to point the finger at them and say, man, thank God that we've moved past that. But the reality is, as we look at the church landscape today, has anything changed other than the issues? Why is it that we're still so prone to divide over secondary things, which are important? Like Paul's work was important, and Apollos is a gift-giving ability to speak and share the truth of God. That, that, that's like important. And of course, Peter, Cephas, yeah, he, he made a real difference. But why are we so prone to latch on to human leaders at the expense of our brothers and sisters who may listen to someone else, learn from someone else, or follow someone else's teaching? Again, some things never change. By the way, a little note from history, for those of you who care, so he writes this letter about 30 years um, after the time of Jesus, 20 to 30 years. Well, we have a letter from an, an early church leader. His name is Clement. He was a leader in the Roman church, and he literally writes in AD 95. So let's just say 30, 40 years after this letter is written, and he writes to a group of churches, and he talks about the church at Corinth one generation later. And you know what he points out is in Corinth? Some follow Paul. Some follow Cephas. Some follow Apollos. Decades later, this letter didn't influence the next generation enough 
and the, the schisms, the parties, was still there. Now, what you don't have in Clement's writing, for those of you history buffs, is no one said, I follow Christ. Evidently, that got ridiculous. The Indies lost, okay? They, 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 didn't, they didn't keep it. But those who said, I belong to one party or faction or denomination, it's just been a part of our story. In other words, this isn't a Corinthian problem, it's a human problem. And so what we wanna do is begin to think about, because this whole conversation on divisions, followers, factions, it's gonna take up four chapters of this letter. It obviously is important. But I want us to think, just, just to get us going, we're gonna be hitting on this again and again and again. How do we apply this to our church and our situation? Okay, side note, for those of you trying to learn how to understand what the Bible is, it is, it is the words of God for our good, right? It's perfect in every way. It's been held together in every way. It's trustworthy in every way. This is not Fox, CNN, Newsmax, definitely TikTok. This, this is God's word that remains. So what I need to do is if I want to gain out of it and learn how to follow Jesus, I want to read it. What's, what can we do to go against the tide of division? What can we do to become a people that are united in a world that's ever divided? Not that we're zombies, not that we're monolithic, not that we're leaving our opinions at the door because our opinions really don't matter. Look, your opinion does matter, but how do we work through our varied opinions in a way that's productive? How do we model to the world? You can disagree agreeably. You can actually talk about differences that matter and not become irritable. That when someone says something or does something that's not exactly in your line, because by the way, your line is always right. It's our default. I follow, fill in the blank. How can we become a people that's a witness to the world that they make no sense because they're rich and poor and young and old, highly educated, barely got through, blue collar, white collar, and yet, they stay united on the things that matter and love one another and care for one another and they keep the main thing the main thing. I, I would love to say that is the nature of church in every city, in every country around the world, but some of us have experienced something different, haven't we? How can we become a people that don't fall into the trap? I think the primary thing that we can do, and it, it sounds like the same old thing, but the same old thing is right. We need to ground our thinking in the Bible because we're gonna disagree on lots of things, but every other source is skewed. Every other source is partly right. But the source of true wisdom is in God, and God has granted to his people at all times access to what is right and good and true, and you can bank on it because its source comes from him. And so I think part of our, and it sounds basic, part of our learning to be agreeable in a disagreeable age is to to ground our mindset in the Bible. If we're not thinking biblically, if we're not thinking what does God have to say about how I treat this person, of course we're gonna cave into our culture. But we also need to be honest about our preferences. And so in their day it was Apollos and Paul and Cephas and some say I follow Christ and, and nothing else is new. Look, we all have our favorite preacher. If, you're, if you are following Jesus, you have your favorite author, you have your favorite podcaster, your favorite YouTuber, you have the people that whatever they say, you gotta you know, download and listen and intake and, 
And it's okay to enjoy that and, and even share that with your brothers and sisters. We want to we wanna learn from one another. We all, when it comes to music, we all have our preferences, don't we? And so part of following Jesus together is, is not, not devaluing preferences, but is actually honoring that everyone here has a musical style that is the best for them, right? And so when you hear a song that's in your vein, you're like, thank you, John, you know, and you hear a song like, mm, yeah, not, not, not for me. But we want to become a community that's open to respecting our differences. And again, some of you, like, if, if I'm preaching, you're, you're happy. I, I appreciate you, by the way. Some of you would say, like, man, I, bring in more, more Stephen. I love the glasses. I, I love the fire, you know. Some want Steve Marshman again and again and again. Steve just makes sense and he can say it shorter. Some want Ryan Doucette. Some want Taylor Turkin. Like, we all have our preferences. And, and when it comes to selecting church, we often look at who's preaching. Because I want to follow. And, and again, don't hear me wrong. Like, there's nothing wrong with saying, like, oh, that person is helpful in my understanding of following Jesus. And that person I, I can get. But we need to be really careful when we elevate secondary things and make them primary. And we got to remember that because of our preferences, if we're not careful, if we're unwise, will highlight our preferences at the expense of our unity, right? And so we want to learn as we press into this letter, and he's going to have some very clear things to say in the next three weeks about how we begin to do that. But our goal is that we would together speak the same thing. Again, recognize we're not going to see everything the same. Our politics is going to be all over the map. One of the beautiful things about my little sliver of how I see things is, is quite often I'll hear the two ends of the spectrum, like, Jose, this was so incredible, and thank you for allowing that to happen, and this was so life-giving, and this was this, can we do more of that? And then my next meeting will be like, why did we do that in the first place? And can we do this? And I'm like, wow, I wish you were seated in this conversation to realize that what might not have been awesome for you was life-changing for someone else. And so we want to grow in respecting and seeing our preferences are beautiful, but they need to be kept in check. And so what are we united around? Okay, let's get back to what Paul said. We ought to be united around Jesus. Who is it that we celebrate when we take the bread and the cup in a few minutes? We, we remember that it's Jesus who died and rose again to rescue, and, and we actually want to follow him. Now, other leaders are helpful, right? Other, other human leaders build us up and encourage us, but, but they're never supposed to be the focus. So we're centered on Jesus. We're united in receiving communion. We're united in our baptism. And, and to follow Jesus for the long haul, we're going to have to work hard at recognizing my preferences and submitting those preferences for the good of unity. And Okay, let's just think about the last few years and we want to respond with praise to God because he's the one who's brought us together into one big global family. Uh, over the last three years, I think you would agree these have been tumultuous times, right? Let's just think about what we've walked through together. In March of 2020, like in, in the middle of the week, suddenly we're like, are we meeting this weekend? No. And over the last couple of years, you know, 20, 21, 22 we had to think about what does it mean to be God's people together? Like, like, 
Do we meet in the room together in the middle of a pandemic? No one had an opinion about it at all. So it's very helpful just to, just to simply say, hey, this would be good. And, and uh, so, so, so the state says you should have this many people in the room for this reasons. Um, do we listen to, do we not? What, what do we do with these masks? Should, is it right to mask? Am I giving in to the man? Um, should I not wear a mask to show that my identity is in Christ and my trust is in him? Now, this sounds a little ridiculous a little bit after the fact, but do you remember how tense it was? Vaccination. I don't even have to say another word after that. Do I boost? Do I not boost? No way will I inject myself. And if you ask me to, I can't believe you would. Um, we, we've gone through these years. Now, here, here are some good things. In the middle of that, there was also racial tension. What if I bring up the word racism? What if I recommend a book that I found helpful? I got about crucified for recommending a book that I found helpful. Where I don't agree with everything the author said, but I found the argument worth talking about and thinking about, and suddenly I'm like a, and then you fill in the blank. How helpful is it when we respond just like the culture? How helpful is it when we say that Jesus is the greater way and yet rather than I follow, we follow Jesus we make these secondary things just primary. And, and again, I'm, I'm not like, woe is me. Because at the same time, I don't know if you realize we had a national election at the same time. <laughs> and the good news is, as I survey us on socials as a people, we are able to bring perspective and calm and goodness and gentleness and self-control into the political debate. We're really good at it. It's called sarcasm, people. And some of you are like, we are? Because, ah, are you on socials? Because, uh, Why is it that we're so quick to pick up our rights at the expense of our representation of Jesus? Do you see what we're getting at? Like, this is not an ancient problem. This is an everyday problem. This is an us problem. So my point is that there's just so much work to be done. So where do we begin? I, I, think, I think we need to begin with evaluating our own hearts in the matter. Do I actually see this person or this issue or this cause as primary to the point where I'm willing for it to become a wedge between me and another brother or sister? Am I actually willing to listen there's going to be a, a, a podcast that comes out here in a, in a couple of weeks with a couple from our church about the art of asking questions, being curious about Jesus people actually learning the art of listening to other people with a goal of understanding what they're saying and not trying to talk over them. Now, of all the people who are guilty, I would say I am probably most guilty. When it comes to preferences, I have a clear design of how reality works. And my opinion in my head 
is always right. Like literally, you have to really convince me that I'm not always right all the time. And I don't say that as a compliment, I say that as an area of growth I need to put down these secondary preference, opinion. Now, I'm not talking about the essentials. We believe that Jesus is the Son of God and the only one who can save. And this is the Word of God, and it is true, and it is trustworthy, and we follow. And Jesus is the way and the truth. I'm not, we agree on those things, but, but for most of us, are we, are we separating relationship on those issues? No. It's I'm a conservative, and Jesus was a conservative too. And some would say, well, I'm a compassionate. And Jesus was compassionate too. By the way, Jesus said, love the poor. And you don't seem to care. To which this person goes, well, I do, but not at the expense of taxes. And this other person, do you see where I'm getting at this? And we are, we are supposed to be aligned to Jesus. And we just so quickly let things spiral out of control, just like the church of God in Corinth. So here's the opportunity that we have. We don't have to have someone write a letter 40 years after us to the churches that are here in Hillsboro and say 26 West, I still see some follow, some follow, some follow. We can actually turn the tide and humbly become a people that live revolutionary by choosing to love and agree and be united and care including the fact that we have very real differences. Yet we find those to be smaller than our allegiance to Jesus. What would it look like for our community groups to be that kind of representation? That's our prayer for us, and that's where we're leaning in. So let me just ask you like a closing question that we're gonna lean into our groups this week. Am I willing to genuinely listen to those that I disagree with Let's just begin there. What will become people who humbly listen to those who we disagree with deeply? And I pray that that will happen. May it happen in our day. May it happen in our city. May it happen in this church so that we can be a city on a hill, a light to the world, and salt good news to those who desperately need to know the way of Jesus. Why don't you stand to your feet if you would. We want to respond in worship to God. And uh, how do we respond? Uh, I would say like we said at the beginning, if there's something in your life where you, you know you need God's touch, I, I would recommend if there's something physical in, in your just world that is just not right, uh, it seems like God in his love is, is making us aware of his goodness and his desire to bring wholeness. And, and if you're new to our church, we just do that when the song starts singing. The, the left side is an open area. We encourage you to come. We have a prayer team that will come. They're not gonna ask any questions. They're simply going to come behind you and pray God's blessing over your life. And you could do that on the left and the right. And in a few moments, we're gonna take the bread and the cup. But I would say, as we get ready to do that, maybe we want to look at our own heart this morning. And has there been a divisive spirit within me, within you, 
Well, as we sing this first song, let's just release our hearts to God. God is filled with grace and mercy, and he forgives all sin. And those of us, when we confess our sin to him, he's faithful, and he's just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. He's, he's able and willing to clean us and make us right, but let's come to him with an open heart and open hands. So Lord, we return to you. You alone have the words of life. We wanna be your followers who not just enjoy your presence and get to be called brothers and sisters, but we also wanna be a light to the world that you sent us to. Lord, we wanna model what it means to be humble in our opinions and gracious in our care as we listen and uh, talk amongst others. And Lord, we your church, we wanna, we wanna live your way rather than just adding to the noise of division and cancel and hate. God, uh, would you teach us, we pray, even as we walk through this letter? Will you grow, will you grow us, we pray, from the inside out for the good of those who are in this church and the good of those that you're sending us to. In your name we pray, amen.